0: Every year, our Christmas offering goes outside our doors. And even though right now we don't have physical doors, we're meeting virtually. And our ask is that anything that you feel like you'd like to give, you give to the partner that we choose each Christmas. And this year, once again, we're partnering with Ace in the City. The Center for Belonging, which is just blocks from here, is a place that we hope to do continued work with, It's a place that opens their doors for this community, for all to come and and work on finding jobs or um, taking advantage of their food pantry or even getting some counseling. It's an amazing place. So if you'd like to contribute this year to our Christmas offering, all you need to do is go to our website, thetablempls.com, click on the Giving tab, and underneath that Giving tab, there'll be a place that you can click on Christmas Offering. We really encourage you guys to do that. We're so grateful for the years of your generosity and the ways that we've been able to partner with different organizations in this city that are bringing the good news.
1: As winter days dim and cave into the demands of the darkness, tonight we remember the one who was bathed in the balm of a star. God of the spark, light up our sky again.
0: When our hope hangs heavy and our burdened arms grow tired, God of the second wind, Breathe renewal into our bodies of dust and dreams once more.
1: We light a candle tonight for the Christ who came and the Christ who keeps coming, ever pulling us from where we are to where we still may be.
0: To the insistent God, the God that insists on hope, insists on peace, insists on joy, and insists on love, inspire us tonight to insist on you, the way you have always insisted on us. Together we say, We light a a candle candle tonight tonight for the Christ.
1: Christ.
0: May May we walk in the divine divine light that that the darkness cannot dim. Luke 2, 1 through 20.
1: and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told.
2: Hey, good evening, friends. Welcome to the table. My name is Matt Moberg. I'm one of the pastors here. And Merry Christmas. We are so happy that you are here. We're grateful that you are in this medium. Obviously, it's a far cry from what we'd like to be doing every year together in this space and what we will do eventually in this space. But with that said, it's still good to be here with you. And thank you, Debbie, for reading the text. Man, I'll tell you this, for me, every year Christmas like runs this risk a little bit of um, becoming kind of rote routine, or maybe even better, so sort of like it's like, um, been piled on by like obligatory duties. Like it becomes just this thing, another thing we get to do. It's the encore to Thanksgiving and like the appetizer to New Year's Eve. But when I hear Luke's gospel and I see the way that Luke starts his story, it sobers me up to the reality. It happens in the first five words. When Luke writes those words, in those days, Caesar Augustus which is a powerful way to start the story. Now, when we read that, we typically think like that's just a reference to uh, the ruler of the time. But for those who were there when Luke first put pen to paper, they recognized that he was speaking about a rain. He was speaking about a season. He was speaking about a painful time, a stretch of time, where people were being completely stretched thin. In those days, Caesar Augustus... St. Luke writes, which another way to put that perhaps would be in those days when God was silent and Rome was very loud. In those days when, when hope felt fragile and faith just felt foolish. In those days when the anxiety of life was keeping you up at night and the exhaustion by day was keeping you down. In those days, Caesar, Augustus. Luke starts his story within those days because he knows that in our stories we all have them. And I know that for many of us in our community uh, those days are these days. I know that for tomorrow it's going to be hard for some of you. For some of you this is not an easy Christmas to take on. I know some of your stories. I know some of uh, you will be experiencing your first Christmas tomorrow without a dab. Tomorrow will be your first Christmas um, without that friend that you used to spend all your time with. Another Christmas without a baby. Another Christmas where you're getting that painful reminder, even if it's not true, but it seems like everybody has a somebody, but there is no somebody that has you. Tomorrow is going to be hard for some of you. and Which is why I just think it's important that we recognize that when Luke starts his story, he starts it right here. Because for many of us in our community, when Luke writes in those days of Caesar Augustus, we know the kind of days he speaks about. Not in the abstract like ideas that are locked in our heads, but inside of the own, our own agony that we carry in our hearts. Inside of the way that we wince at specific words that are said or cringe, we try to hide it when everyone else seems so comfortable. But here's what I want you to know. Here's part of like my pastoral responsibility, if you will, is that where Luke starts, While that is also where many of us feel stuck, it is imperative that we know that where Luke starts is not where he stops. In fact, five verses after those first five words, Luke writes that in the midst of those days, the time came for the baby to be born. The time came for uh, light to break in and the darkness to start to limp. The time came for tomorrows to be like energizing and exciting again. The time came for marriages to grow better and not just grow old. The time came for good news to interrupt the barrage of bad news, to break through the ceiling and show everybody that there is more here than the misery has allowed you to see. The time came for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And so, of course... There were people from all over the land who showed up to celebrate that thing. In the gospels, when they tell the Christmas story, they talk about um, how there are these Zoroastrian, like astrologists who pack up the car to go and see about a glow. They find and they chase the biggest star that was hovering over the smallest of the cities. There was a joy that was palpable even to the poor in the land. And, And it was a train of justice that rolled in that was loud enough that it threatened and scared the rulers and the rich. There were angels in the sky, angels that were singing, putting on little jam bands and concerts for those who were never invited to the party. There was even legends out there right now that little drummer boys joined in on the mix. And as if the whole scene, the Christmas story as it's told in the gospel accounts, as if it's not bizarre enough and hard enough to believe as in, Luke says that even there were shepherds at the celebration, shepherds the crooked and the cast-off ones, the ones that you don't speak about at the family dinner, the ones that you claim to have no association with whatsoever. The shepherds were there. And when they were there, when they stepped in the stable and they laid their eyes on the Christmas child, they knew at the core of their being that it was liberation, the the liberation that they had been waiting for. It was now laying before them right there. The liberation that the prophet Isaiah had spent 26 hours chapters talking about, the good news articulated by the prophet was now embodied in this baby and the shepherds, they knew it. And so they celebrated. They recognized when they at this baby that this is the one who is insisting that how it is is not how it always will be and the one who will implement an end to all of those days which look like many of our days in a beginning to something better. The shepherds, the ones who knew most painfully How hard it can be to be a bodied life in this broken world. How hard it can be to live on a consistent rhythm of being let down and disappointed, left out and excluded. The shepherds, they were the first ones on the scene to celebrate the arrival of the newborn king. They were the first ones to sing songs in his honor and raise toasts to his name. They were the first ones to experience joy inside of those days where joy was hard to find. The whole thing is beautiful, you know, I, mean, I know we're so familiar with it, we're detached from it almost at this point, or it becomes this spectacle that we come and just stop and stare at, but, but think about it, it really is marvelous to actually consider that the first ones at the scene were the ones who were never invited to any scene. It was the shepherds, and the whole thing is, is beautiful. When you've been stuck inside of days like those, when you've been inside of those days of Caesar Augustus, a moment like this is inspiring, it's um, energizing. It's overwhelming. And yet, also, it's apparently not life changing. I never noticed this before. I know preachers always say that. I feel like I've always said that, especially around like Christmas. I've never noticed this thing in the text until this year when I, but it's true. I actually never thought about this particular part where Luke closes in 120 and he's talking about how after the party, they, they parted their ways and they went back to the hills that they had come from and they go back from the light into the dark. The difference, of course, is now they do with a skip in their step and a song in their mouth. Luke writes that on their way back from punching out of the clock and now about to punch back in where they have uh, sheep that need to be tended to and farmers that need to be pleased. Luke says that they spent the entire walk back to the hills glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen. Which were just as they had been told they were singing uh, they were dancing there was celebration as they left the light to go back in to the hills you know it's interesting i don't know if it's because just me personally i'm more drawn to the arts than the academics but i can distinctly remember when my parents would read us this christmas story from luke 2 and when they would do so, I would close my eyes and try to immerse myself in the scene and try to like feel it as it actually played out. The sights, the sounds, the tastes, everything in between. I want to know like what is going on in this moment. I want to experience it for myself. And when I did, I used to always wonder what kind of music those shepherds made. Was it, was it, was it slower and more meditative, perhaps pulled from the back of the hymnal? Or did it have a little bit of a beat behind it with some pointed words for Rome? You know, was it it, uh, straight to the point, some might call shallow? Or did it have some poetic depth wrapped around it? Maybe I was a weird kid. Maybe I'm a weird person now. But all the same, I always wanted to know what kind of song the shepherds once sang. But these days I'm left wondering how long they actually sang it. Less concerned with... What they would sing, I'm more concerned with how long did they end up singing it. Did they keep singing the next day when they woke up, and they found out that the world was the same as it was the day before? Did they keep singing when they recognized that the family that they left, the family that had kicked them out, they still weren't welcoming them back home, even though there was a new dawn that had been provided? Or what about when one of the older shepherds got sick and ill, and none of the doctors in the city really cared about him? Like, did they continue to glorify the fact that, like, the healer has now arrived? Did they continue to sing praise songs about the baby that they witnessed after seeing Herod kill thousands of babies around him? Or what about when they recognized that this child, this baby that they believed would change everything, became a kid that blended in with everybody? That this person that they believed, they were, that was the one missing piece, just kind of went missing as he grew up. Did they keep singing at that point? And would you? Would you keep lifting your voice with praises inside of it in a moment like that? See, when I was a kid, I used to want to know about the direction that they chose for their music, but now I'm more curious about the duration. How long do they sing? I want to know about the duration, which is kind of been like the uninvited theme of 2020. I have a lot of questions about duration. I've had them all year. I have them still. I'm carrying them with me right now into this Christmas season. Questions of duration. How long until the vaccine comes we can send our kids back to school? How long until we can have a holiday with the people that we love the most? How long until this like endless sense of Groundhog's Day finally comes to an end? I've, I, I keep asking these questions because I think we're all asking these questions. I think we're all in this place of waiting. And maybe even dreading is a, is a more on point way to say it. As we watch COVID-19 spikes and spreads in regions that once thought themselves removed from the danger of it. I know we're all waiting for Christmas still, that's always going to happen, but with, without our family to share it with, without the same inti- intimacy that we've experienced in years past, what does that waiting look like for you? With no safe way to sing the yuletide carols in the nursing home or be sung to by fresh visitations, or just even to have this, you guys, like to be in this room right here, this sanctuary with candles lit and voices lifted in one as a family. We're singing Silent Night, a ritual that I hold dear. How long until we can go back to that place? I recognize that you know, this is consistent with the season. Advent is always a season of waiting, but the edges are a little bit sharper this year. And uh, those of us who are waiting are a little bit more tired. Our waiting is a little bit more intense. And I can feel it all over us in all sectors of my life. And I'm sure you could say the same. I think that we are waiting for a new political climate. I think that we are waiting for new leadership. I think we're waiting for a new spirit of collaboration that is actually in pursuit of the common good. We are waiting for um, guns to fall silent in the streets and the proud boys to stop marching inside of them. We are waiting for a vaccine, a a visitation, a reason to get excitement around things are actually getting better. We are waiting for concerts to start again. We're waiting for wolves games to go again. We're waiting for friends to be friends again. We're waiting to go back to normal. We just want something. In a year like this where so much has been taken away, we are waiting for the inbreaking of light that will make the darkness limp. We are waiting for good news to come again. And so even if it has to happen in a, d- a dusty old stable, a manger in a faraway land with a few shepherds close by, we'll take it because we'll take anything at this point when so much has been taken away we are waiting for this right now and yet when you read the christmas story though that may be our ache and that that may be our prayer the god we find in the christmas story isn't one who will just take that ache away i'm sorry as we read in the gospel and has you know been affirmed in our own lives The God that we find in Jesus is one who insists on intimacy over immediacy, on intentionality over impulsivity. And the boy that Luke introduces us to at birth, at this time in the season, Luke doesn't reintroduce us for another 30 years. And 30 years is a long time to hold a tune. But one of the things I've discovered in my life is that when we do choose to hold it, at some point we find out that we're being held by something too. I think that's what the shepherds actually show us in this Christmas story, what I'm trusting to be true about the shepherds in this Christmas story. I think that when we watch them leave the reach of this star to go back to the shadows of the hills, it's as if they never left the light and we're supposed to see it in that sense. They don't need to be standing in a manger to sing about the manger. They don't need to be standing in the light to be singing about the glow. I don't need to be standing in a manger to be singing about the inbreaking of love, life, hope, peace, joy, and everything in between. I will sing ahead of time because I'm a follower of Jesus who insists that we do the same. As followers of Jesus, regardless if we are under the glow of the Bethlehem star or in the shadows of the Bethlehem hills, we are to sing of hope, joy, peace, and love because we trust that the light is breaking. And it may just be an infant at this moment, but soon the good news will be full-bloomed and we will all be better because of it. And so we will sing with the shepherds who go back into the dark. We will sing ahead of time. We will sing with a beat behind us, even if there is brokenness all around us we will sing of the good news of Jesus. And perhaps, you know, this year we're more equipped to do so than ever before. After all, consider Paul, who was always a realist when he said that uh, hope that is seen is really not hope at all. It might just be in this season of Advent when we are rejoicing less and restricted more that with the lights dimmed down just a little bit lower, we get to see where the true light falls. We get to see where the true glow is coming from. And so we are choosing to sing and stand in the glow of hope. We're choosing to believe that the best days are still ahead. We're doing so obviously on our tippy toes. Like we're not kidding around here. We know the days are hard, but we hold hope all the same. Trusting that the Christ who came is the Christ who still comes, not on the clouds of heaven, but in the pockets of a surprise. Trusting that that the Christ who made a home inside of our only home, that this home is still the home that he prefers, that this home... Is his home. That light is breaking forth in this place right here, in this world that is packed tight with misery and misrule and unspeakable beauty. On this planet where we make and take out our garbage, where we are carrying laundry down to cold. Cold basements and where we watch the meteors cutting across the sky at night we have hope that the Christ who was celebrated by only a few on this day 2,000 years ago and yet still managed to bring light to all that same Christ is being born amongst us today and so we will sing ahead of time trusting that eventually there will be a time when the time comes for the baby to be born in those old days of Caesar Augustus to be over and so even while we walk back to the hills of darkness and we try to make our way forward in the days that we are in. We sing our praises both to God, and we sing on behalf of one another. And so for you who are longing to hold on to hope, maybe you can, maybe you can't, I don't really know. I want you to hear the songs of the Christmas story. I want you to hear the voices that do not call you from a disconnected nor distant place, but step by your side and say, let me walk with you a little bit further. To you who feel alone and afraid, please hear the song of Mary, the unwed teenage girl who was asked to carry the Savior of the world in her womb without any guarantee that there be a husband to help, who felt the thickness of those days and yet still had the audacity to sing until the time came, until the time where her burden gave birth to our hope. To you who might feel rejected and unwanted, forgotten and dismissed hear the song of Joseph. Hear the song of this man who walked with his wife 80 miles while she carried a child that was not his, and his reasons for doing so, they weren't his either. And yet he continued to walk, he continued to sing, he continued to recognize that in a world that made no room for him, eventually the time would come when somebody would. To you who have lost your sense of wonder in life, and every smile feels fraudulent and stale, hear the singing shepherds. Hear the ones who are perpetually stuck working the night shift without weekends to justify why. Hear how they still sang until the time came and the light broke through the dark. And to you who feel fragile and small and poor and needy and like you're dependent upon others, remember the song of God who when he was deciding how to best enter into the world, he chose to look just like you. For tomorrow and the days that follow, in the midst of these days when it feels like we cannot find God, hold tightly to the Christmas story that insists that God is the one who is finding us, that God is the one who continues to come, that our God has revealed that the Christmas season is the insistent God born in the infant and baby, And it is the Christ who came to promise us that Christ is the one who always comes. And so we sing and we wait for those days to be over and the time to come to start something better. Merry Christmas. We love you. We'll see you soon.
0: Matt started out his message with saying, in those days. And in those days, unto us, a child was born. And we celebrate, in these days, the birth of that child. We celebrate the life of that child. We celebrate the death of that child. And what we really celebrate is God with us. The birth of Jesus Christ. The day that love came to earth, fully human, fully divine, we celebrate that love. And every Sunday night when we gather together, and on Christmas Eve, when we gather together, we take the bread and we take the cup and we remember that love that came down. And that love that died. And that love that rose again. Because that's where our hope is. On the night before Jesus died, he took bread and he broke it. And sitting with his friends, with his disciples, he said, This is my body broken for you. When you eat this, remember me. He took the cup and after pouring wine into the cup, he said, This is my blood shed for you. When you drink from this cup, remember me. So on this night, this Christmas Eve, as we prepare to celebrate God with us, we partake in God with us in a beautiful and holy and connecting way. So when you take the bread, hear these words, the body of Christ broken for you, the blood of Christ shed for you. And now together, let's pray the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Our God who art in heaven,